Hello, everybody. Happy New Year, and welcome to episode 376 of Pixels and Ink, the official podcast of CG Magazine, where we take a critical eye to gaming, comics, tech, and media. I'm your host today, Chris DeHoog, and I'm joined by our editor-in-chief, Brendan Fry. Hello there. I'm happy to be here. Jordan Biardi. How's it going, y'all? And Dana Eileen. Hi. Is Brendan really happy to be here? No. That's true. <laughs> that sounds like a lie. Listen, it's a new year. It's a new Brendan, new attitude. Still the same year. Yeah, tomorrow will be a new attitude. Uh, yeah. right. This will be out on, on the precipice of, of the new year. So yeah, he's just gearing up for it. He's getting ready to be a new year, new you. It doesn't. You rhyme. know, we we made it. We made it to the end of another hellish year. Yeah. <laughs> in, the, in this post-apocalyptic world we live in. Huzzah! And uh, yeah, uh, so to celebrate that, we have a bit of an unconventional episode this week where we're going to be talking a little bit about our game of the year process and how that's going, as well as some looking back at uh, the year that was, um, as it becomes, yeah, the year that was. Uh, So yeah, Dana, did you kind of want to talk about the game of the year situation? Because this has kind of been your, uh, your, your, your project. This has been our, our new baby, uh, game of the year, and we got a lot of things going on. Don't laugh. I've neglected Sorry, my real children for this. It's, it's cute my the baby. way you said it. <laughs> no, uh, Brendan and I have been working our, our booties off. Tails um, off? No, booties. Tails booties. and or booties. <laughs> Skinny for the new year. <laughs> Get rid of the booties. Um, no, uh, game of the year is going to run a little bit differently for us this year. Uh, we have taken our top 10 reviews. Uh, of games for the year and we have created a whole new web page uh you'll be able to get to it from our front page cgmagonline.com there'll be a little picture you can click and head over uh we've listed all of our reviews that are our noms and we're going to have our audience vote this year um so i think that will be fun on the page you can see all the uh the reviews that are nominated all the trailers for the games that are nominated um yeah, I think it'll be good. We're going to do voting for two weeks. Uh, it's going to be announced on January 16th. That will be our official game of the year. And in the meantime, between January 1st and 16th, we will be posting all of our best ofs. So whether it's gaming, best shooter, best indie game, and then we go into tech with things like best keyboard, best headset, all that jazz. So it will be a fun-filled two weeks of best of articles coming at you that sounds great it's gonna be busy that sounds like the best of the best of (laughs) funny how that works um our nominees this year are monster hunter rise resident evil village chicory a colorful tale my boy yeah (laughs) ratchet and clank rift apart life is strange true colors metroid dread age of empires 4 Shin Megami Tensei 5. I said it that time, I think. You did it. You did it. <laughs> it's only Nailed taken it. me a year at CGM to get that out. Uh, Forza Horizon 5 and Halo Infinite. So those are our good. main noms. Yeah. Good good collection, I think. A little mm-hmm. bit of everything. Um, and then the other thing we're doing that's a little bit different is our Writer's Choice Game of the Year. Um, so we've taken a bunch of our staff uh, and they have nominated their personal recommendations for game of the year. That doesn't mean that we even reviewed it. It doesn't mean it has the best score. It's just what sat with them. Mm. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that, that writer's choice thing was interesting actually. Cause like I was really torn on what to nominate as my game of the year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. um, 
we'll we'll kind of touch on this. Well, this kind of brings us into our favorite review of the year segment because um, yeah. I, I I reviewed Mass Effect Legendary Edition, which is mm. kind of my game of the year. But I also don't feel right nominating that because it is something that is a remaster of three games that came out, you know, ten to thirteen years ago. So is the other one now. the first one thirteen years ago now? Good. Some, uh, something like that. Yeah. I'm, oh, well. What what is time yeah. anymore? But uh, <laughs> it's a flat circle. This it's, year it's alone long enough. Was thirteen years. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um. So yeah. Like I while while that was the game that like kind of impressed me the most and excited me the most this mm-hmm. year. Like Metroid Dread was my choice for like the top like new real game, so mm-hmm. I, I was kind of glad that we kind of changed how we did this a little bit, so that I could talk about a game that I didn't actually review and also you know yeah. kind of have my uh-huh. uh, my different my different nomination there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. So yeah, that was that was my favorite review of the year. Then was Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Like of all the things that I've uh, reviewed this year, uh, that was the thing that like. Uh, that impressed me the most like it was the closest i came to giving a 10 this year outside of the review that i'm currently working on um dun dun. Dun dun. um Mystery. which is which is also towing that line but uh yeah no the the, the from like the, from the news bits announcement to you know, seeing it shape up to like having it actually deliver mm-hmm. yeah mass effect legendary edition was my favorite thing of the year that's awesome that reviewed Chris, are you talking about the thing you're currently writing right now, like uh, earlier this morning, or something? No, else? <laughs> no, okay. the, you uh, can the game talk I'm about currently that reading. Too. Oh, okay, oh, that one. But, well, you can spoil it. I mean, like people know you're playing things. Well, yes. Uh, so I'm, 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 I'm alluding to uh, Final Fantasy XIV and Walker. Yeah. So is it going well? It's, it's well, not the last week when I've been unable to play. Right. But, uh, yeah. Other than that, no, I've been like incredibly impressed. And again, and again, I'm, I'm at that, that spot where I'm like, is this a nine point five or is this a ten? So, Ooh, yeah. Okay. Stay tuned to find out. Stay tuned. Will it be both? <laughs> um, Maybe. <laughs> Jordan, what was your favorite review of the year? Did you get there? You were stressed earlier about choosing. Um, oh, it's you know, it's um, it's a it's a bit of a tearing uh situation for me because part of me, like looking back on it, um. Part of me wants to say Biomutant just because of, like, what a shit show that ended up being in the end. And, like, how genuinely angry not only myself but, like, other people got at me for it. And it's, like, to this day, I still don't get why. Like, it hasn't really gotten better, but I don't know. Like, people were really, really defensive about that. It doesn't get better, (laughs) It, no, nothing gets better in this life. Um, um, but I was just like, because I was actually like before, sort of before uh, we started recording, I was kind of like, I went on to uh, Open Critic and I was like looking over some of the stuff that I reviewed in 2021. And like, it's a it's a really tough choice. Like I, there was a lot of really good stuff. Um, right. Like, Part of me wants to say Chikori, um, because like uh, I think out of everything, it was like it was the one game I gave a ten to, um, right. and I really, really did love it. But like then I was looking at it, I'm like you know like Solar Ash was really good, and um, like Garden Story was really good. Yeah, I was and... gonna say you fanboyed for that one too. Oh yeah, I fanboyed hard for <laughs> somebody actually. Somebody actually yelled at me in my in the comments. I didn't notice that until later. So like someone was like a nine. Are you serious? I was like what, like. What, what 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 is what why like it you're mad at me if i hate it you're mad at me just, just... i can't win with you people um 
yeah so so i don't know it's a it's a tough call um mm-hmm. but uh i think i think i i definitely think that um that chikori probably stayed with me the longest um i think that's the one i've heard you talk about in a positive light the most yeah that's, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's fair <laughs> um but yeah like it's uh it's there was a there was I mean despite really despite everything there was a lot of really good stuff that came out this year like even I like I, I played a lot of indie games this year I really didn't play that much like AAA stuff outside of mm-hmm. like the Nintendo offerings and like a lot of the Nintendo stuff that I got like yeah, like Mario Golf didn't impress me like um, yeah, Bowser's Fury was kind of like again like I was never big on uh mario 3d world in the beginning and bowser's fury was kind of just like very very lackluster um you know pokemon snap was okay was pretty good uh you know it was what it was um so yeah like but like a lot of the even the stuff like like looking back on like you know like lost in random like it wasn't the most perfect game but like it was genuinely like really like really well executed in terms of like the ideas it was trying to portray and like what it actually like kind of wanted to do. Um, Like conceptually, I did like it a lot and, you know, and it wasn't like it was completely broken, you know, because like I'm kind of getting to the point where, you know, people who say like, you know, you can see where a good game was when they review Mm -hmm. stuff. And it's like, yeah, but that's not what I played. You know, I don't want, I don't really care about where the good game was anymore. I care about like where it is. (laughs) <laughs> so that's fair uh yeah, yeah so uh, yeah it's a uh, it's it's a bit of a tough call but i think i'd probably land on on chicory on that one that's fair i dig it i dig it brendan what about you uh favorite thing i did oh that's hard for me because i really haven't had much Warned you. i know i just it's more the fact <laughs> no 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 it's more the fact that i don't really think there was many things this year that really kind of moved me as much as i wanted them to it doesn't uh, have to be a game though. Like you did a ton of tech that got great scores. I know mm-hmm. because I am currently tallying them all up. Oh, <laughs> like the phone you're currently using. That's fair. Uh, I like the Pixel. The Pixel Six Pro was really good. Um, I I think movies would be where I feel mm. the I had had the most enjoyment. I think. Um, I think there was a lot of really good film this year. Uh, even with the fact that you had. Like a new Matrix film, you had like uh, some amazing stuff, like the Dune movie or the new Ghostbusters. I think this year really had a lot of solid in the world of film, especially with the fact that people we still really weren't going to theaters. You had a lot of stuff on demand. You had a lot of stuff coming to um, like uh, subscription services, and you had some mm-hmm. stuff on VOD. And I think uh, Dexter was really good. Uh, our uh, writer. Philip did that one, but I think uh, the Matrix would be one of my highlights this year. I know it, it didn't live up to the excitement of the first film when that thing hit theaters, where it basically was a game changer to how films are made. But it was amazing to see um, the characters kind of come back, bring a different take to the universe, and just seeing how excited all the cast seems to be about the project. I think it is a film that. As much as we love watching it, uh, the cast and crew seem to love making it. I mean, there's some talk on the internet that they didn't, but just watching Keanu Reeves, like when we saw the, the premiere and just seeing how excited he was about being there and just kind of making this film, that is palpable and it's hard to fake. So it's clear that there's a lot of people that love this, working on this project. And I think that mm-hmm. comes through in the final uh, material. 
there's a lot of films I hated this year. Like I really didn't like a lot of the things I was going to be excited about. I didn't love as much as I wanted to, to but like yeah. another thing would be um, Last Night in Soho from Edgar Wright. I think that did live up to the hype. And I was kind of worried because it is the first real straight horror film type of thing he's done. He's done a lot of like fun films or comedy films or comedy cross horror films and things like that. But this is the straight, just straight horror. And it worked really well. He did some really good uh, camera work. I think the actors were fantastic. And just seeing that stuff at TIFF, after TIFF was basically all digital last year and mostly digital this year, just seeing that in a theater environment was exciting as well. I was bummed that I missed out on the Soho one. That was like one of the few that I didn't like bombard myself into your house and say, yeah. I'm watching this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, last night of Soho is worth watching. And of course, it was like the one you were like, that one was really good. I'm like, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you abandon me? Mm-hmm. And one time. I won't ever watch it on my own. <laughs> ever. It's just not me. I don't have time. <laughs> Sure. But what? But what is you, Dana? What was your favorite? Uh, you you had an oddball group of things you reviewed this year. I, I did. I re- reviewed the most random assortment of stuff. I was like, "This is here. I'll play with it." Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the thing that I was most excited about was the um, JBL Pulse for Bluetooth mm. speaker. I don't know if you guys remember me fangirling over that. Thing. Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> I still have it. I still use it. It. They did change the app though. Fun fact, and I'm a little, a little on the mad side about it. Uh, the app was really cool. The the speaker, it's covered in lights, so it can put on a little light show. You can pair it with other speakers and do this thing, and you could design your own light show. You could literally scan any color in your house with your camera, and it would create that color. So That's Christmas really cool. Eve, it was. Eh, Christmas <laughs> Eve, I was like, I was hanging out with my 10-year-old niece, and I'm like, come on, let's do this. And I went to make it like red and green and all swirly and pretty. Mm. And it doesn't do that anymore. You can pick the main color and then it'll fill it in. So when I was trying to do red, it was turning orange and yellow. Like it's got its own thing. You can't choose the colors anymore. Well, that's real weird. So uh... I was really bummed because I gave it a great score. And that was not the reason. It's still a great speaker, but it was a really cool feature. The whole point was that you could like have a customizable party if you were having mm-hmm. like a tangerine wedding. You could have bright orange lights all over the place. And you can't do that now, which kind of sucks. Because even so no like matrix, the green, no matrix parties going on with green. No, because then it was turning. <laughs> when I, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll give green a try, and it was going blue, and I'm like, eh, you're ruining that my Christmas. Be, yeah, JBL ruined my Christmas. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> See what um, you've done, JBL. Yeah, my poor ten year old niece couldn't have a light show. It was basically the worst day ever. Um, <laughs> so that that part kind of bummed me out, but it's still a great speaker. It lives in my bathroom, and mm. I have light show parties while I'm having a bath. Nice. That's nice. Yeah. um, The other thing I really like that I did was the uh, Razor Isker. Mm. The fabric. I'm currently sitting in the leather version, but I like the fabric. More so, um, really good chair, really comfortable. One of the few that actually fits my body. I am like five foot one and a half. So (laughs) for a gaming (laughs) chair to fit me is delightful. So... I miss the fabric. Brendan, give it back. <laughs> <laughs> Never. Um, yeah, that was. those were my, my highlights, I think. I went not the gaming route, which is weird because I knew nothing about tech and gaming chairs when I started mm-hmm. here. 
gaming chairs were, were a big part of our year at CGM, actually. We, I, yeah. I, I feel like we've improved just about everything on the market right by this point. How many do we have in office right now? Five? Uh, yeah, I'm Brendan and I each have an Isker here. Uh, your, your butt's currently in a secret lab, right? Yep. That's coming soon. Uh, we've got the DX Racer, which I think I'll talk about shortly. Uh, a couple Andesy chairs. We did a Cooler Master chair. And then Lindsay covered, like, every other chair on the planet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Stay tuned she, for our uh, best gaming chair of 2021. She really that, cornered the market. Awesome. Yeah, she did. She she got some covered. And some that did not have a small price tag. Holy. Oh, yeah. We got one on, on the site that was, like, $1,600. Mm-hmm. Jeez. For a gaming chair. What? Is it made of gold? Yeah. <laughs> got a gold chip on the I inside so. <laughs> <laughs> and rgbs what no it doesn't well of course what are there gaming chairs with rgbs guys yeah i think there are oh there has to be i imagine there at this point I mean, we, have, we, have, we have face masks that have rgbs <laughs> in them so yeah there are definitely are that, that is so true. actually that's a that's a great point actually to make for our segue here for our highs and lows of the year hi the uh razor what do they call it again the um it was Project Hazel at one point or something like that. Yeah. Oh, Zephyr. Zephyr, uh, Zephyr I think it is. Zephyr, yeah. I didn't so know high. what we were transitioning to. <laughs> uh, so, Razor has themes. <laughs> what one high of the year is that the Razor Zephyr exists. One low is it that does it exist. <laughs> that it, it, it in fact exists. Is one that... low is that we didn't get to review it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's up, Razor? Come on. A... I feel like that was an influencer thing. Our Razor guy, we have a new, we lost our Razor guy. I miss him. Mm. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but I did. I miss that <laughs> razor guy. <laughs> um, yeah, that was that was a cool thing that came out this year. One fun, weird, futuristic thing to come out of the pandemic, that's for sure. There was a lot of you know, toxins. Like I didn't think it was real. <laughs> you really need to find the silver lining sometimes, and uh, <laughs> that weird high-tech solution existing is kind of one of those, like, Okay, well, maybe something interesting at least can come out of this crap. I'm pretty sure I saw this in like an 80s sci-fi movie, but I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it yeah. now. It's good. Still Wasn't feels a, a little bit movie? like that scene in Mad Max Thunder Road where he's strapped to the hood of the car. And it's like, uh, yeah. Still kind of feels like that to me. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But uh, what were some other highs and lows of the year? I mean... We kind of talked about this before the show started. Universally, I think we need to say the whole uh, the whole crap show at Activision Blizzard. Is yeah, I was just going to say that the lowest mm-hmm. of the low. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and it continues, continues to be continues but... to keep digging past rock bottom. Um, yeah, yeah, we brought it up to talk about the low, but why don't we talk about some of the highs that came from it instead of giving those crap head bad people more press? Yeah, talking about <laughs> the gaming See... industry. <laughs> it's it's funny because I literally just had a moment right now where like like it, I think it was quintessentially me where I was like how can I how can we really find the silver lining here and be like you know what it was a really bad situation but yeah if some good came from it um you know maybe it was the whole the whole that like a, a light has been shined uh, you know shone on this at and Sean shine um show uh, this show placed yes the spotlight has been put on this whole situation and 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 it, yeah. and more of like just how deeply it runs through the entire game industry but then there's like you know the cynic in me who was like yeah but I mean like you know how many people have genuinely suffered consequences from 
from all of this bad behavior throughout the years and they can just you know put out their bullshit statement like we're we're committed to doing better and we have a zero tolerance policy like we literally just got past a game in the game awards where like this exact same thing happened um yeah you know and it's just like hey we have a zero tolerance policy for harassment of any kind now here's some a big fancy trailer from quantic dream yeah. oh that oh, there's a lot of, apparently that game is having a lot of problems oh yeah yeah, yeah. it's oh yeah it's it's bad <laughs> it's bad yeah. it's getting messy but um, so, yeah, the, there there was some kind of good that comes out of the Activision thing too, because the, like like you said, the, the spotlight's on it. That we are slowly seeing a bit of a sea change there mm-hmm. in terms of in terms of leadership slowly. that continues to yeah. move forward in the year uh, mm-hmm. to come. But uh, even even amidst the, like the details of the story that we ran yesterday about uh, Jeff Fraser, um, even amidst that vitriol, there was some like you know, signs of change in that you know he's he's frustrated because. There's all this new talent that's that's um, that's female or LGBT mm-hmm. coming in, mm-hmm. so there is you know new blood being brought into the industry because mm-hmm. of this um, to kind of fill in those gaps and to yeah, make to up for fill some in the everything that left the industry. Unfortunately. Yeah. So like out, um, out with the bad and with the good or the different, I the guess. New perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm 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 I was working on it before we started podcast, but we just got the news uh, on Monday as well that Riot Games. Um, is settling its uh, 2018 like gender discrimination lawsuit for a hundred million dollars, um, which is like you know it's it's one of those weird situations where like a, a settlement is essentially like you know admission of guilt, but at the same time it's like legally they you know weren't like you know found guilty of anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but like I know we know. yeah exactly at the very least i think it probably it does set a precedent now where if like this kind of this stuff happens in the future people can point to the the fact that like riot did settle you know the this lawsuit um Mm -hmm. and that could that could fuel like further settlements so at least the people who you know the victims can potentially like get some recompense from it Mm -hmm. yeah i mean riot's kind of skated by through this whole thing like everyone's been more focused on uh on the problems at ubisoft and activision blizzard you know, meanwhile, mm-hmm. like at like this time last year, Riot was like accused of basically taking a, a random person's identity and turning it into a character like, without their knowledge or consent. Oh, that was weird. It was like uh, the person. Oh, yeah, it was a person that an artist went on a date with someone and then they just used their character in the game. And then they're like, yeah, that was my character. The designer yeah, they, went on a date with me and I didn't like him. That was weird. Yeah, they, they had a brief relationship and then he turned her into a game character and. Yeah. yeah, there's this whole weird climate around the character that's also her. So it's like, yeah, uh, the kind of thing you kind of would sign a waiver, sign a waiver for beforehand. Yeah, no, uh, he definitely was very close. It was, but at the end again, like, it's people's likenesses are hard to. It's it was close enough, but not really. It was like a, I don't know. It was it was, really, it was gross, but it wasn't technically legally dubious. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there there probably could have been a case there if she had chosen to go that way. It but, was uh, morally wrong. That's it was right. definitely morally yeah. wrong. Let's yeah. say morally. And there was, was no creepy. court for morals, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, I've had I've had my share of creepy. The the thing that I do okay, wait, that's not a good way to say this. I was gonna say the thing I do like about all this. <laughs> no, that's not right. Um, the thing that that I think is good is that it has people talking. Um, mm-hmm. We've got women like. Jessica Gonzalez, who unfortunately left her spot at Blizzard, or mm-hmm. Activision Blizzard, whatever I'm supposed to call it. It sucks that she had to do that, but it's amazing that women are feeling safe enough to stand up and to speak out because yeah. a, even a year ago, it was hard. Uh, of course, there are all still 
the lovely humans out there that that don't believe it and don't whatever Mm -hmm. but it's brought light to things that a lot of people didn't know even my own husband who is amazing and like rocks women's rights didn't see the things that we see they Mm -hmm. didn't see the things that like that it's not safe for me to jump into a video game never mind in the industry as a as a professional but just game like that that stuff happens absolutely it does and now people that never saw it before are so Mm -hmm. bring on the change yeah i mean the 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 most change and this is where i've been seeing a lot of articles about it recently um just sort of like as like a a, an analysis of 2021 um Mm -hmm. it really like i really hope that if anything does come from this like the, the only way things are really genuinely going to move forward is if like the game industry uh, finally, you know, uh, implements like unionization. Like that's the only way unionizing is the only way it's going to happen because, you know, like, like voice actors who do work for video games, Mm -hmm. they're protected under a union. Like their rights and their jobs. Yeah. Are protected, but developers, like artists, all these creators who make this, this multi-billion dollar industry, like mm-hmm. exist they have no protections and so the only way it's going to actually happen for them the only way we're actually going to see any real change is by like a, a game industry union finally forming to protect these people i will say one thing though it is interesting to see um just as in the industry and just like commentators youtubers etc it's interesting to see who is siding with oh these games need to be done workers be damned and who's saying yeah, it'd be better to put the workers first. And that does show the dichotomy of the different groups in this industry. Some that are very much people first and some that very much are product first, even on the industry side and on the journalist commentator side. And mm-hmm. that's, this has really put that in stark contrast. Yeah. Well, I think, I think we've even said it before on the podcast too. Like it is, it is, you know, on the one hand, there's there's definitely like a, a sort of like capitalization on that because you know mm-hmm. a lot of companies they know that that uh, people who support them only really care about the video games the product that's being put mm-hmm. out so like as long as you know if 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 a, if, a, if a controversy happens like you know they just have to throw up a a new trailer for a new game everyone's waiting for and everyone very quickly forgets about it and we as like media um like we, oh, you know, we are we're sort of well, we're, we're we are on a, sort of bound by that, like you know, the sort of Damocles, because on the one hand, we definitely want to do like our uh, our best to maintain the moralities of journalism, but at the same time, creating content on the internet, specifically within video games and games media, like you you have to keep on the cutting edge when a new trailer comes out like if you're not reporting on it you're not getting the clicks and we're not you know basically generating the income to let our organization survive mm-hmm. yeah so it is very hard for us because I, I, again like i you know i try to hold myself to, to a certain moral standard when it comes to journalism and like and i you know and you want to see that change happen but at the same time it's like you have to you know you have to bow to this certain like mm-hmm. ruler and and play the game enough that like it's like it, it becomes really hard to do both of those things right mm-hmm. oh very much so and i think the game awards were a good um, reminder of that where mm-hmm. you had a award show that was trying to bring focus to everyone that's doing amazing things in the industry but that was all kind of marred behind commercialism and marketing of the exact the games coming out next year and some of the games that 
are from studios like Quantic Dream, etc., that have had these issues in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that's <sighs> the perfect the perfect encapsulation of it right there, Jeff Healy. Yeah, we're not going to tolerate it, but here's famous homophobe David Cage's new game. <laughs> yeah, Is he, it's more than homophobia, though, isn't it? It was like, oh, it's yeah, it's even worse than that. But uh, that's <laughs> we don't need to highlight oh, the yeah. details of all the bad guys. Yeah, we don't have <laughs> time today to go <laughs> into all that again. Yeah. But uh, um, somebody's eating snacks. It's not me. I was unwrapping my new planner, actually. Uh, oh, that's not a snack. <laughs> it's a snack for my brain. It's my new Molson <laughs> planner. Um, oh, company give that to you? Or you just buy one. Oh, I, I bought. I buy okay. these things every year. Um, okay. Molson, they'll get at me though. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, 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 I'll be uh, your influencer or whatever. Yeah, um, we'll do what we gotta. <laughs> just to kind of uh, let's kind of, let's kind of focus on the lows for a second, so we get them out okay. of the way. Sure. Um, the other thing that we kind of mentioned uh, in our in our outline here to talk about is that the the general uh, clusterfuck, if you will, there's no better word for how <laughs> yeah. COVID has affected scheduling and game delays and mm-hmm. the, the entire way that companies reveal and release their games I... now. Um, it's 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 been undeniable that COVID continues to have an impact. Even this week, we got an announcement from. Um, from Na- from Naoki Yoshida, producer on Final Fantasy 16, saying that uh, you know we were we were we promised that we'd show you more of Final Fantasy 16 this year. Obviously, it's not going to happen. It's the last week of December. Um, COVID has pushed our schedule back by six months, mm-hmm. and we'll we'll show you more in the spring. Um, it continues to be an impact on that, and even even just affecting how we reveal the games. Because I feel like in the, in the case of Final Fantasy 16, to keep using that as, as an example, I feel like they revealed that last summer as per their original plan. Um, and you know, maybe things would have been different if they'd known how things would continue to be bad. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and and it's and not only that too. I was I was seeing uh, uh, headlines just like the other day about how mm-hmm. I think it was like Doug Bowser was saying too that like people should like expect that like because of uh you know issues with the supply chain and like receiving like the like chipsets that they need like there's going to be like massive like delays on on switch production in in 2022 like oh yeah i can um, imagine that like switch production ps5s yep. xbox series x's series s's like video cards or another thing it's gonna be a while before you'll be able to buy one of those things mm-hmm. you know i mean and, and just even before podcast I, I i found out that elden ring got pushed back a month and i didn't even realize that's my experience so my job here at cgm is to to you know get the items for review and get them to the reviewers that should be reviewing them right and right. i'll go through the list and i'm like oh my god why don't we have this when you said elden ring you're like it's coming out in a couple days i'm like why are we doing that what's going on <laughs> Listen, i was as disappointed as you were data yeah, <laughs> so you had a mild like, heart attack before air my, my entire experience so, like, it, it's been happening a lot, and I mean, this is my first year like, professionally in this industry, so mm-hmm. maybe it's normal, but I've seen a lot of pushbacks, that's for sure. Well, I think it's it's normal, but it's also sort of, um, like, abnormal, um, because, like, it's it was sort of a thing in the, in the industry beforehand that, like, people... It, it, it kind of goes into like what I was saying earlier about like you know just announcing a game and, and making people forget. Um, like people, uh, gamers, you know the gamers TM are like historically very unforgiving about delays. Um, you could see it with yeah. like 
like with cyberpunk right every time that game got delayed you know uh they were getting death threats sent to them and i feel they should have delayed that more they definitely they should have delayed that by at least five years (laughs) (laughs) till at least you know yeah until it was ready um and i think i think covid has has definitely been a bit of an exception to the rule okay just because I think I think people are a little bit more understanding. Not to say that they're not disappointed, and you mm-hmm. know you're definitely you're still going to have that section of the gamers TM that are like, "This is ridiculous! I don't understand how they couldn't plan this." And you know, people are you make games are made on computers. What you can't make you a game from your home. You don't have to go to the office. Like it's like people don't understand like you know synergy and how things work together. Um, but at the same time, I think there's a larger group of people who are kind of like, okay, like it's understandable, like COVID mm-hmm. has kind of messed everything up for everybody. So like it does, you know, if a game gets delayed because of, you know, because of the pandemic, the, at least like you can kind of accept it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and, and we were saying a little bit before the podcast, like my stance, um, because, the, and, and not to say that I haven't been, um, you know, uh, of you know, a part of it too, because like, I, even even as far you know not as early as like 2019 when uh when you know they when nintendo said animal crossing was going to come out in like december and then it got pushed mm. to march and i was like genuinely very upset about it <laughs> but okay. at the same time <laughs> at the same time it's like we were entering a pandemic and like at, you know and and the 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 game's creators like flat out said that they you know they wanted to really ensure that the game was going to be like really good and they didn't want to force their their developers to crunch on it and have to do like all this overtime so they wanted to just take a little extra time to make it so there was that part of me that was kind of like okay that's fair you know i like if they're taking the time to make it great like i can accept that i can be patient right Mm -hmm. so it's sort of the same thing even now like thinking about elden ring like like you know as much as i really wanted to play elden ring and i was genuinely excited like like because I was th- I was even just thinking about it like a couple days ago. I was like, all right, like January's on the horizon. Like Elden Ring's coming out. Like, uh, you know, if if they're if they're taking the time, like whether it's pandemic related or like quality assurance related, to make sure that this game uh, like is good and that the people who are making it are being taken care of and they're not being forced to sort of like mm-hmm. you know push themselves through a pandemic to put out a product just so that like you know the gamers TM will be happy. Um, then, like, I'm all for that. That's fair. I can see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I, I think it's changed the way companies are just even announcing things, too, and that, like, you know, like, look at Metroid Dread. A, a year ago, mm-hmm. we didn't know it existed. Mm-hmm. And then at E3, they're like, hey, this game's coming out in October. Yeah. And it's, like, ready. Like, but... it's, it's good, it's solid, like, it's coming out in months, pre-order right now. Mm-hmm. Like, this is something I, I, that's gonna have that's been happening more and more, but like before the pandemic, and I think I think it's going yeah. to continue as the pandemic continues, and that you know don't show it till it's ready, and that's absolutely, you know, and, and and that's something I've de- I've sung the praises of Nintendo at least uh, for a little while now. You singing like, the praises of Nintendo? George? Well, I mean, just there's, just there's it, a first time for everything. <laughs> it's in so far that like I I want to say as uh, maybe as far back as like 2016 or 2017, like Nintendo mm-hmm. has been really good. Uh, as of late with like not announcing things way before they're ready um okay. because it's like like since like pretty much their presence at e3 since uh, yeah like probably like 20 2016 2017 has been like here's a bunch of games they're going to be out if not by the end of this year then early next year like they're not showing right. up that, that's why it was actually genuinely disappointing to me um 
I think it was like what in in uh, twenty like eighteen when they came to E three and they're like here's here's a here's a nothing JPEG trailer for Bayonetta three and Metroid Prime four. It'll be out. Who knows? Like it's like come on guys. Like you weren't you were doing so well with not doing that. So like. Like they've definitely been doing it, and they, you know, in, in my opinion, like that they they they've set the example for like like uh, game development companies who should be like, we have a game, it's going to be ready like within a month. Like we're not going to show you a trailer for something that's not going to be out for like seven years, and by the time it comes mm-hmm. out, it's like either not going to live up to its own hype or like it's, it's going to radically. Now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it's gonna, you know, it's gonna just not be what you were expecting, or it's gonna be totally different. Like, or you're just gonna forget about it, right? And then it's like, mm-hmm. here's a trailer for that thing. It's like, oh yeah, that was a thing. Like, I do love things. <laughs> Everybody loves things, Brendan. I know. Historically, I've heard pretty good on average. I like uh, things. I'm a big fan of things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. It's it's. It... I, I do feel like we're starting to see a, a shift in how expectations are set mm-hmm. both by companies and by consumers slash fans. Um, I've, like Cyberpunk was a total disaster, but it also was a big lesson like, hey, maybe this should have been delayed. It's like as many times yeah. as it was mm-hmm. delayed, maybe it shouldn't have been delayed more. So like the next time something else gets delayed, it's like, okay, well, <laughs> I, I it sucks, but I don't want another Cyberpunk on my hands. So okay. yeah, yeah. Like, but yeah. but, I, but cyberpunk cyberpunk is a weird one because it's like that that happened but it, it happened in a post no man's sky world so it's like you, you think we would have learned this lesson already yeah we're a little slow, we're a little slow. There's, there, there's no in-game <laughs> tutorial for expectations so it takes us a while to get the handle on it yeah you're absolutely right <laughs> so fool anyways, me once uh, <laughs> Since we keep putting silver linings on things, let's move right into talking about the outright highs of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, what were some kind of standout moments, both in the news and in your journalism experiences this year, guys? Ooh. Who's first? Uh, ladies George, Dana. Ooh. Ooh. Well, this is my first year here, so it's it's been an experience starting here in a pandemic and watching things slowly open up and my, my job completely changing when it did and then close back up has been uh, has been interesting to say the least. Um, I, I got to do some cool stuff. I got to go to Austria with Huawei. Like, how can I not say that's a huge deal? Um, so that was pretty cool for me. Uh, Lots of shiny new toys. That's not terrible either. Even if I don't get to keep them, they're fun to play with. And some comfy chairs. <laughs> uh, but no, it, it's been a good time uh, getting to know the industry and starting as a columnist to whatever it is that I am now. It's been quite the journey. It's great to hear, Dana. <laughs> yeah. We're very happy to have you here. Aww. Don't ask Brendan. He's sick of me. <laughs> it's okay it's too a, much time in one you, you, big you office definitely he, he he definitely took longer to get sick of you than he did of me it was like day two with me and he was like oh my <laughs> god <laughs> what a mistake i made that's fair that's fair <laughs> i immediately uh, regret this decision <laughs> <laughs> you notice the person's just like i'm saying nothing i'm saying nothing <laughs> Well, I, I'm kind of in a similar boat. I've barely been in the industry much longer than you, actually, now, because I started yeah. last September. So mm-hmm. uh, as, as my first full year in the industry, uh, one I didn't think I'd ever get into, uh, it was pretty interesting, actually, to see, you know, I went to, like, my first 
preview events. But I'll I'll be virtual, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't get to go to anything cool in person. But uh, doing the previews for Sonic Colors and for Final Fantasy fourteen Endwalker and like get to play games early and talk to the developers behind them and like mm-hmm. you know Sonic Colors was again of a game that I, I wouldn't have batted an eye at too much uh, beforehand. But you know talking to producers on it and seeing like how genuinely interested and like um excited they were to be working on the series and like get, like, getting the sense that they have bigger plans in place for like the next big thing and you know oh really, really? really change what do they have what do they have in place nothing they couldn't say anything um no but there's this they thing they're doing but Jeez, yeah there was that brendan <laughs> there were there were hints there were allusions to things they would like to do um hmm. that i would like right. to see them do having played sonic colors so um yeah that was really neat and just you know you know again shiny tech to play with too is always kind of nice who doesn't uh, like shiny tech yeah you've built this is your first year you've built like a kind of a computer yourself right that was yeah that was another thing i did this year through the magazine which was really cool i got to uh for the first time actually build from scratch like a pc not just tinkering in a high school lab with the donated windows mm-hmm. 95 parts <laughs> so uh yeah there's a feature coming up that we're doing uh for early next year i'm not sure where it's sitting in the schedule now but uh, a bunch of us are building Hopefully PCs and, and talking about uh, the, the, the experience at different levels. Mm-hmm. I myself being kind of like the, the lower tier of the experience spectrum. Mm-hmm. But I tried not, to be but the lowest complete tier, but beginning. they wouldn't let me play. <laughs> <laughs> all, all, yeah, all, all the way up to Brendan's like uh, expert reviews, uh, experts mm-hmm. uh, perspective. So that was another cool thing to work on. And uh, obviously having a machine that doesn't take 10 minutes to boot up in the morning is <laughs> a big asset to the experience as well. Oh, yeah, because you now have a solid to drive. Solid, this is the year solid straight drives for me. Like I'm told, between between getting the PS5 and upgrading the PC, it's like, mm-hmm. how did I ever do anything else before this? Like my laptop feels so slow now. I can't stand <laughs> using it. <laughs> I tried to use my mom's after like I've switched over to a couple of decent computers since I've started here. And I went on my mom's laptop that we gave her. It was our old one. Like I am going to throw it at the window. Like I have yeah. no patience for this whatsoever. Like even on Christmas Day, we're trying to do like a Zoom call on, on, on my wife's laptop, and Zoom kept freezing and like, like mm-hmm. I, I, I remember I shutting down. I'm like, what? How can I bring my computer upstairs to this TV so we can do this properly? <laughs> like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. No bueno. Well, um, and getting a PS5 was also a highlight, but that was more personal yeah, yeah. thing. <laughs> and an OLED. And an OLED, big upgrade here. From Santa. <laughs> yes, from Santa. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I will say uh, the 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 OLED is is quite a game changer um, for handheld play, at least in my opinion, because it was very nice last night uh, when I was just like feeling kind of lazy and I had a bit of a headache, so I just mm-hmm. sort of sequestered myself in my room and I could actually like you know have my switch in handheld mode with a with a with a kickstand that actually works sort of oh, just like on kickstand it's it's unfathomable brendan like it's unbelievable to think that you know it took them this long to, to figure something like this out that stupid <laughs> little how little i play my switch in handheld mode in any way because i've never even used the kickstand the the old kickstand dana if you try it it's it's oh it's the it's worst not good. like it's not good. It's like this stupid inch and a half thing on the right hand side that's like so like unbalanced. But like it was super nice to be able to just sort of like be lying in bed, have my switch sort of like set up like you know like uh, on the other side of the mattress. I you know I had the joy cons detached so I could like keep my like arm under my pillow and just sort of like relax very comfortably and play mm-hmm. you know play Animal Crossing with the with the brightness turned all the way down because my head was killing me. Um, 
yeah, it's a uh, it's a big it's a big it's a big deal. Just That's fair. from someone who gets migraines in the future, you don't don't play video games when you have a headache. But other um, than that, you do you. Dana, as, as someone who doesn't get migraines very often, don't tell me what to do. Okay, okay, okay. Just tell, just tell. Let me live my life. I took an Advil. I turned the brightness all the way down, and it was Animal Crossing, so the color palette was soft. So it was it was easy. Okay, I mean, that's if it was Fortnite, it'd be a different solid story. Argument. Solid argument. I'll accept. I'll accept. Um, something I do want to mention that's been pretty cool for CGM as a whole this year. Um, mm. We've started some new, like, I don't know what to call it, awards or initiatives. Event. Initiatives? Sure, that's a better hmm. word. Edit out everything I said and just make me sound better. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, we, we started with brand of the year this year. That's a that is that's true. Yeah. That yeah. we hope to continue. Um, we're turning our, our game of the year and our best of features into a bigger event, which I mm-hmm. hope to continue into 2022 too. So mm-hmm. we're, we're changing things up as a magazine as a whole, not just as us yeah. individuals. The brand of the year was fun too. It was, mm-hmm. yeah. I made the trailer for that. That was neat. <laughs> mm-hmm. no, I had fun doing that. Um, yeah, no, it was cool. <laughs> but, uh, Speaking of, I mean, speaking on Animal Crossing, um, of course, I, I, I definitely think, at least for me, um, the you know, seeing uh, Nintendo at E3 was a big highlight for me. They uh, they came out with a lot of good stuff, yeah, like Dread came completely out of nowhere, and that was like mm-hmm. a really big deal for me. Um, the uh, the uh, I mean, who was it who got announced at for Smash at E3? I don't think they had a Smash announcement, did they? Or was it Pyra and Mithra and no uh, one was really happy about it? Might have been Pyra and Mithra and no one was really happy about it. Well, no matter what it was, probably no one was happy about it. Yeah, because I mean, how are you how were you going to talk? I mean, I mean, oh my god, oh my god. I mean, yeah, this this year alone for Sm- like for Smash characters like Steve, as much as I know every, he's he's a garbage character and I hate him, like just being there is pretty cool and then Sephiroth like I to this day I cannot get over, and I, I, you guys can't see it, but I like have the biggest smile plastered on my face right now. Like I cannot get over seeing Sephiroth in Smash Bros. And that trailer mm-hmm. for him was like so incredibly well done. Like all the nods to Advent Children, like just how much Sakurai clearly loved that movie and loved the character. Mm-hmm. Um, like yeah, Pyra and Mithra. I mean, like again, like, I wasn't a big fan of uh, Xenoblade Two, but like. They are genuinely really good characters. Um, uh, Kazuya from freaking Tekken showing up was amazing. Like, um, and then and then the the final big reveal of like Sora. Like, who really who genuinely I like, expected? I mean, but like it's like when you when you follow the Smash circles enough, like everyone just like has those like meme posts where they're like, oh yeah, Sora should be in Smash. Oh, like this guy should be in Smash. It's like. Yeah, it's like every, you know, every fanboy, like, choice should be in Smash, right? But, like, seeing Sora actually show up was, like, a really big, like, one of those, like, those crazy bastards, they actually did it, like, moments for me. Yeah. Uh, Actually, to answer your question, Kazuya was uh, the E3 reveal this year. Was okay. Was that E three? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So the, even even then, yeah, like that. Like seeing it there was okay. Yeah, uh, it was Pirate Mithra was. Uh, I guess was earlier on in the year. It was I guess it was, it was one of the that, big directs. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. Yeah. So like, yeah, even even that like was still like just seeing it was pretty cool because like of like the legacy that Tekken has, right? Like, um, you know, and then Te- and was then, Tekken more of a PlayStation franchise? Tekken was a PlayStation franchise, but I mean, in terms in the realm of like, I guess like fighting, because you know, because I've I've. I've long said this that I like seeing 
um, other like fighting franchises represented in Smash. It's kind of why I've been pulling for like Sub Zero or a Mortal Kombat character to show up in Smash. Um, yeah, I can see that. Just because of again, like you have like you know you have Ryu and Ken, Street Fighter, like one of the most famous uh, fighting franchises of all time. Like in Smash, you have Tekken now, Virtual Fighter now. You have uh, uh, Akira is um, is uh, uh, um, um, uh, an assist trophy. Like you you know you have Tekken now. You have Final Fight. Like there's a lot of really good. Um, uh, like like sort of like nods to like mm-hmm. just the fighting fran- like fighting games in general of like the historic you know franchises in this this giant legacy series now right that like smash has evolved so much further than uh, that what it was but um not to get on a on a tirade yeah yeah uh, it was a it was a big um playstation thing but yeah so like finally seeing uh like bayonetta 3 gameplay was really cool um uh, now I'm, I'm blanking on what else. Like the, the 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 reveal or the reveal of the um, the Animal Crossing direct was really cool. Uh, like there was a lot of like really really good stuff out of um, uh, Nintendo for 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 E3. Oh, that's right. And uh, and uh, and then yeah, actually like the actual you know the actual um, direct the the E3 direct itself. Um, uh, or sorry, sorry. Um, the Animal Crossing direct itself. Um, was uh was like a genuine moment <laughs> for me you know like the whole time i was i was watching that and seeing sort of like uh you know and, and, and people uh people oh and 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 breath of the wild too they showed that a little bit at e3 as mm-hmm. well um yeah i forgot about that so much i'm just looking it up now and, and remembering they were gonna it. show it at the game awards and they didn't advance wars yeah. remake and Fatal Frame and oh yeah, that was just so much, so much good as, stuff out of as as always. Nintendo had a, had a really good year. There's a lot of really uh, niche pulls they that that they revealed that were really mm-hmm. really promising. Yeah. You're not they're um, not lying there. Shin Megami Five too. They showed off there too. Um, I mean, yeah, like really, it, it's it's still Nintendo's industry, and we're all just kind of playing in it. Mm. Sure, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they are the they are the they will be the kings of the mountain for as long as video games exist like the, the, they're um, still up top and sony and microsoft are having a slap fight lower down the yeah <laughs> oh, okay we all just get along um <sighs> but yeah like you know as much as much as people you know still want to make the argument about like oh this is all stuff that should have been in animal crossing to begin with like like hmm. watching that direct this year like the, the whole time i was like you know just like squealing like a schoolgirl, like you know, seeing the gyroids come back, seeing Brewster, even like just how cute the gyroids are now. Like I genuinely never ever cared or liked gyroids in past Animal Crossings. And like this game genuinely made me like them. Um like what cooking a was a big the the, the gyroids <laughs> are like the little they're like little like statues you put in your in your house and they make little they noises like and they're all different. Yeah, the little fire hydrants. And you put them in your house, they make noises and they'll like they'll like dance and like sing along to the music and stuff. Like they're super cute now. You can st- they're, they're really tiny, so you can put them on like tables or put them on like walls. Um, yeah, I love them now. Um, <laughs> like all the new features, like that the happy the happy home paradise too. Like you know, we talked about before. Like I was really happy to see come back because it is a it is a neat little like you know artistically driven feature that uh, Animal Crossing was always good for, and like just yeah, like everything. Uh, just like seeing all the stuff that they were like putting into the game to make it this like very. Um, like definitive version of itself as much as i like all always thought animal crossing uh new horizons was like a perfect game when it first came out like 
there was just so much more to be added that I was uh, really, really happy for. Um, nice. And uh, it, uh, yeah, it just made me sort of love the game even more. And then, of course, you know, this year was a big deal for me getting to go to um, San Francisco with uh, 10 Chambers to play uh, GTFO was, uh, was a lot of fun. And I really, really ended up liking the game. And San Francisco was a treat. And, you know, I got like to meet Rice somebody and it's going really well. Rice Despite us in San Francisco. So yeah. <laughs> I, I was genuinely, uh, I was genuinely uh, looking for some rice and And uh, listen, I'm a in professional, but I'm also an adult. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I couldn't find any rice and I was really upset about it. Just go to a grocery store? Yeah, but it's like you can get rice. Can you get rice aroni here in Canada? Like, it's not like it's yes, a big. Of course you I can. feel like we're having deja well, you go. here. <laughs> I don't. I feel like you know. this entire podcast about rice aroni, and I'm a no, it's the San Francisco it's treat. Is, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. I don't know Anyways. if it was made in San Francisco or what no, it was. No, but... it said it was. It's, it's a craft product. We discussed this before. Okay, there you Anywho. go. So there you go. Brendan, what made you happy this year? <laughs> um, I, I, get, I gotta go back to like events, kind of coming back and then not coming back. Like I think there was a lot of. Um, it's crazy how much you miss like going to events or seeing how all this stuff. Go, goes on until you don't have it anymore. Like I, I was like, oh, E3 is annoying, and then I'm like, oh, I kind of miss E3. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So seeing like TIFF kind of come back and Fan Expo kind of be a thing, it's it's good to see that stuff, even if it is reduced or it is in limited capacity. Just seeing that stuff a little bit back is just kind of heartwarming. I don't necessarily think we need sixty thousand person conventions. But I like when some things still kind of happen and still do go on. It does make us spoiled, though, because now, oh, like, yeah. when there's a movie review, they're like, hey, can you come to Toronto? And I'm like, uh, like, yeah, I like doing send it. Send me home. a link, please. <laughs> like, I'm happy here and the popcorn's free. <laughs> yeah, I have to say that. Like, as someone that does a lot of movies, yeah. I feel the, um, there's such a privilege to be able to not travel an hour to see a movie for an hour then drive back it just yeah. that yeah. experience is i understand necessary at times but i was like ah less needed this year and i love <laughs> yeah. it. it got cooler when we got like keanu reeves popping in that was cool yeah I was yeah there's, 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 there's no Mel. keanu at home yeah yeah there's no there keanu. shouldn't there's be no keanu at home. Mel. why is keanu in your home <laughs> why not <laughs> he's just a cool guy and how do we catch one it's funny that you say that, Brendan, because honestly, like that probably was one of the like genuine lows for me as well this year, where like like I was supposed to review Metroid Dread and I was really, really yeah. excited to, yeah. but because Nintendo like like locked it to the OLED that they sent to the office, it was yeah. like, okay, do you know, do I drive to like you know, do I make a four hour journey to drive to the office from my house? like to get the OLED and then have to make another four hour journey to bring it yeah, back because I can't keep it. Like I was just like, it's so like, it's so like much to do. And I had to, I ended, I ended up having to let it go obviously, but like, mm -hmm. yeah, it's uh, having, you know, getting the, getting that, that sort of like convenience factor that, um, that I think, uh, I think a lot of industries now, you know, in the wake of COVID will start to sort of like reevaluate how things are done. Um, yeah. I think to a certain yeah. Well, yeah, like to a certain degree, to Dana's point, like it does make us a little bit more spoiled, but at the same time, it's also like, you know, we live in the future now. Like we were supposed to have self-driving cars and self-lacing shoes by now and hoverboards. Like I mean, we can't figure out how to kind of exist. Guys, yeah, well, sorry, yeah, kind I'm of, but not really. 
I gotta interrupt, and it's gonna mess with your editing, but uh, we're not actually allowed to talk about how Nintendo locks the review system. Yes. So I just marked down the time now. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't want to let you go too far. We're not allowed to say, like, technically, we're not even really supposed to have told you guys. I don't know how that works. But <laughs> how are you supposed to tell us whether we're viewers? We have to know these things. I, I bought an OLED so... because they told us we had yeah, Exactly. <laughs> I know, but uh, I marked down shortly okay. after. Okay, I'll just put in like a redacted thing. I'm really in a, sorry. <laughs> in a fun robot voice. Mm. <laughs> I, like it. I like it. Secrets. Yeah. Anyway. Son of a bee. Yeah, like with, 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 with events and stuff and speaking of being new to the industry, it's like, okay, I got to do my first E3 this year remotely, which is a much more underwhelming experience. It's still need I, to see all the trailers and stuff. It's like, this is pretty much just what I did before with more responsibility. I, I still yeah, watch all the trailers before. Yeah, there's, there's no <laughs> spectacle and like, and, and like booths and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. Like doing the Final Fantasy XIV preview, I realized that with previous expansions, you know, there was big physical events that people were flown to and like you have to actually meet creators. And instead, mm-hmm. I, I watched a video, which was still really cool and really neat, but like yeah. also... Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, again, like, I think, I think if I had done like the, the you know, even comparatively, like, you know, because this year I did like what I did, you know, I did the Paleo preview and, uh, and that was neat. And even like, um, the solar ash thing, right. Like, uh, just getting to sort of like, well, not necessarily be on a, on a call, right. Like, you know, Alex Preston was sort of like there talking about yeah. it, but like, you know, we didn't really get to interact with him, um, so much necessarily uh like you know just through like text and stuff um and it was a it was definitely a very like different experience of like Mm -hmm. you know actually like you know going to san francisco and like meeting the team and like getting to like go out for dinner and it's like you're not just like you're not just like talking to them like we did our interviews and that was like you know a lot of like really good and and even like fun and professional but then like you also get to see this other side of them where like you know they are people too like they like to have fun they like to be real like really yeah (laughs) you know like it was fun talking to them because they have never been to Toronto. So I was like, oh, you guys got to definitely got to come to Toronto. It's so cool. And there's like this and this and this. And, uh, they're based out of uh, Sweden. Oh, well, okay. Oh. That's a waste. Yeah, that's a trip. Yeah. <laughs> and they, yeah. So they were talking about how they always wanted to come to, they always wanted to come to like Toronto. So they're like, maybe next nice. time we do a GTFO event, we'll come to Toronto. We'll call you. I was like, yes, please. Yes, more <laughs> industry things in Toronto, please. Yeah. Please, please. Yeah. It's we a, have, it we is have a big studios difference. here. Like, yeah. Please, please come here. There's a lot of studios <laughs> in Toronto. And even St. Catharines has uh, some yeah. studios. We do. London, yeah. Yeah, London has the digital extremes, and they do still do the um, uh, Tenocon. The Tenocon, Tenocon, yeah. Yeah. Uh, digital which, streams has been really good to us up to this point. Cause we've, uh, which, that was a also lot a of digital event this year, too, wasn't it? Yeah, it's probably going to be this coming year, too. They're not sure what's going on with that, but we'll see. I mean, the last few weeks have kind of thrown everything into a tizzy, so. Yeah, they're like, everything's going to be yeah. like, well, nope. Like CES, which is coming in like next week, we were planning to, we were looking at ways to kind of cover it in person, and we're like, you know, something maybe we just don't do that. That seems like a bad idea. And and now a bunch of other. Yeah, uh, the Verge like, hey, is pulled out. CNET is pulled out. I think ZDNet is pulled out as well. Uh, then like OnePlus is pulled out from the in-person event. Like there's so many things that are just pulled out. It's like okay, there's no reason to be there anyways. We're good. <laughs> All right. Well, that was uh, that was our highlights and a few low points that we made the best of of twenty twenty one. And yeah, what uh, we'll just kind of wrap up the final podcast of the year. We're talking about what we've been playing. Oh, actually, sorry, I I, I did have one thing to kind of review uh, that came out today as a recording. Book of mm-hmm. Boba Fett has started. Oh yeah, uh, yes. which 
premiered uh, today with the first episode. It's mm-hmm. about 40 minutes long. Uh, overall, I'm actually, I'm really impressed. Uh, really? It, it, it's a Mandalorian spinoff and it, you, you can kind of see some of the trappings there in, in the way that, in the way that they produce those both, like both series and, you know, this, the episode ends and it's the same kind of credit sequence where you have, you know, the, the concept art and uh, like as the credits are rolling by and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But overall in the episode, I, I, I forgot I was watching a Mandalorian spinoff really. Like, really? Yeah. It's uh it, in a way it was kind of, it, it did what I thought it was going to do in that it, it talks about his backstory, like how he gets out of the, the Sarlacc pit from Return of the Jedi mm-hmm. and everything that came after that. And it's kind of interspersed with present day type stuff. And you, you like, you see like a new side of Tatooine like, in, in, in the city. In the So he goes to Mos Espa, which is like the town that Anakin's mm-hmm. basically from in the Phantom Menace. Um, and things have changed a lot in 30 plus years after the Empire and really has come and gone. So yeah, oh, Jennifer is, Beale's is, character. Is, is what's his name still there? Please tell me he is. What's his name? Um, the guy, the, I don't take credit. Oh, only Wado. credits. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Wado. Wado. has got to be dead by now. No. Yeah, he's, he, he's, <laughs> which fly alien is he? How long he, was he, that live? Well, he I was guess, in, a, 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 he was in Attack of the Clones. Yeah. He was an old man then menaced, too. Yeah. And he was practically dying then for the looks of him. So I, I'd be shocked if he was <laughs> there. Damn it. He looked like It would have been such a fun thing to see him again. But that that horrible so. caricature of a character is good as yeah kind of not yeah, but so a lot of racist. a lot of <laughs> phantom menace and those characters were kind of racist phantom menace in yeah that regard. Those, but those weird guys at the beginning who were very like stereotypically chinese yeah oh that was bad. yeah super gross oh yeah no it's really gross oh, going it's... back and watching it anyway chris <laughs> anyways yes. anyways yeah so so jennifer beale's character the twilight from the from the trailers runs a cantina on in mos espa and it's like this is not tatooine as you recognize it because there's prosperity in this particular town. And so there's some interesting things going on there. Tamora Morrison and Ming-Na Wen are, are awesome. Really hope we see more of Ming-Na throughout the series. And she's not just there as like the enforcer and not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, very promising. Didn't uh, kick as much ass as I thought it would. Like there wasn't a lot of like really uh, action for you. Know, considering Robert Rodriguez directed this episode, as well as the episode of the Mandalorian where Boba Fett returned, mm-hmm. which, which was a big dynamic action spectacle where, you know, tomorrow's like just destroying people with a gaffy stick and, and all this. And it was a little more subdued than I thought it was going to be, but uh, definitely building up to some big things, I think. So uh highly recommend that mm-hmm. if you're on the fence about it, mm-hmm. check it out for sure. Part of my new years. Yeah. I'm still going to watch second season of Mandalorian. I've been sleeping oh. on it. Oh God. No, it was fantastic. So yeah. I, I've, <laughs> everything I've, everything I've seen about it, like has just made me want to watch it, but it's just one of those things where like, I have it like ready to go. And then I'm just like, uh, like, hey, I'll do it tomorrow. Hey, I'll do it tomorrow. Like, right. That's been me with Hawkeye. I'm like three quarters of the way through The Witcher, and I haven't started Hawkeye. I gotta oh, start Hawkeye, too. Hawkeye, Hawkeye finale wrapped up last week too. Yeah, that was a really good finale. I can't wait. Don't tell me anything. Oh, I won't. But it's it'll it'll be very good watching it all together. I think. Um, cool. Because it, it's it started kind of slow for me, and then like. By the by, the midway point, I was like, okay, I see where they're going with this, and things are going to come together. And then by the end, it's mm-hmm. like, yes, this is like probably one of the best shows of the year for Marvel. So, mm-hmm. nice. Anyways, uh, that's my quick review on Book of Boba Fett's episode one. Uh, oh. What you guys been playing this week? Well, we're switching it over, aren't we? We're gonna do our game of the year noms. Yeah. What we've been playing this year. <laughs> ah, okay. 
So we did, uh, we're doing our writer's choice game of the year, right? Mm -hmm. So we had to get every staff member at CGM to pick their choice. Chris, what was yours? I think you talked about it a little bit earlier. Yeah, my my official game of the year nom was Metroid Dread. Um, the surprise hit of the year. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I didn't expect a Metroid game to come out this year, let alone a 2D one that picks up mm-hmm. from Fusion, the, the, the Game Boy Advance one that came out 19 years ago. Um, I didn't expect well, it to, was, to happen was, and yeah, be good, and it it was both. Um, I have no yeah. complaints with the game whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Like it's every bit as as polished and solid as previous ones. Um, it like despite it being like again nineteen years removed from the from the previous games, it right. feels just like them. Um, runs great on the new software, looks fantastic on the OLED. Oh yeah, um, and just so smooth. The difficulty is just right, and uh, yeah, no, I just all around great return to form for the series awesome nice brennan what was your nom i gave it to um resident evil village because i just i like seeing resident evil kind of embrace its horror roots rather than its action roots Mm -hmm. and it it seems like village they kind of try to embrace all the different horror tropes all the different core conventions and kind of put it into one experience uh where seven is it biohazard i guess where seven was being yeah uh that one i thought was interesting because it did kind of go to that kind of hit Texas Chainsaw Massacre almost kind of Which universe. Yes. Uh, this one, they kind of went the kind of everything like Dracula, werewolves, uh, weird creepy dolls. They brought all that and they kind of found a way to make it work in the Resident Evil universe, which is not a small feat because that universe is bonkers and dumb. <laughs> <laughs> and well, it's, find, it's, find it's kind of because it's... Yeah, but, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> to find a way to make it work and actually make it make sense in a weird, stupid, scientific reason why this stuff makes sense, I liked. All, I, I have questions about, do vampires exist in the world of Resident Evil? Like, do they have the idea of what a vampire is? Or is it just like, oh, this weird thing that sucks blood. What a new concept. I don't know, because <laughs> it seems to me like people did not understand what these things were. And like, Ethan's like, oh, this is so crazy. I'm like, okay. I feel that. I dig I, it. <laughs> yeah, why not? I mean, zombies exist, so why not? Um, but I mean, I Bram, like, Bram Stoker didn't exist in your world. Yeah, it, it's really strange. I don't know how it works. I don't know what the universe lore is because it tries to ground it a little bit, but it's still bonkers. Chris Redfield still punched a boulder, I think, in canon. So whatever, <laughs> it's it's fine. Don't worry about it. It's fine. But but this one's kind of like a like it's almost like a pseudo reboot no, of the it's whole not, thing though. too, isn't no, it? It's, it's all still canonical. It's all still canonical. Because because the, like even just the, the interpretation of Chris yeah. in this one is like I so know. radically different and like but I, it, I, what they I, they reference things that happened in yeah. five, five they reference things that happened in six so it had they reference was, um Spencer at the, yeah. at, the, at, the, at the at the very end of the game. So yeah, the, the storyline references it. You have um. Moments of like uh, Les Plagas talked about before. Mm-hmm. You have the concept that uh, Chris Redfield got here from after doing the things in five and six. So it all still canonical. Maybe they've hmm. taken some things out, but it seems like it's all still canonical. So in the same universe, I need that word to stop. Yeah. <laughs> so in the universe that Chris Redfield punches rocks is the same universe that Chris Redfield is a, a, like a super serious guy that now wears trench coats. So whatever. And his arms, biceps have seemed to have shrunk dramatically. Well, you know, you punch it. enough rocks and, yeah. you, you know, you yeah. tear enough ligaments. Yeah. 
so, but I do love the fact they have managed to make it all make yeah. sense in a stupid way. Like the end of the game explains everything. Like, oh, okay, sure. Why not? I accept that. That seems like a thing that could have happened. But it, yeah. it logically makes sense, even though it really shouldn't. And I think everyone on the team at Capcom have to be commended for doing that because mm-hmm. I would have just been like, nah, one, it's canon, everything else gone. Don't worry about it. It's fine. But they didn't. <laughs> they found a way to make it work. I'm like, all right. I feel like. You. I feel like in in the same way too, like like with at least with both seven and eight, like yeah. seven and eight feel like this this really well executed evolution of the things that really made mm. Resident Evil, whereas like seven kind of took the best parts of like the first um, Resident Evil and really yeah. like really really like centered it in, in a in a single location that feels very much like uh, you know as much a character or as much you know a, a part like a, a, an integral like part of the game as like mm. everything else that's happening. Um, eight did a lot with like um, you know the the next best evolution of of the series, which would have been four, and did kind of make it a little bit more action focused, but leaned a lot more into the horror, leaned a little bit into like you know there's there's a little bit of a silliness there, but it's not so like tongue in cheek, like it I, is very genuine. I think they should. There's uh, the Heisenberg part. I would have just cut. I don't think that's yeah. everything else. It like they had a great atmosphere. They built up every other part of that universe feels like it's or, part of that world and then it's like what if they're giant machine people with heads? Right. oh my god well okay because well, that that part of the game like i i liked because again it felt it felt so like genuinely like scary and kind of like okay yeah. like you know you you have like you have the you know the the werewolf part you have the vampire part now you have this sort of like weird steampunk like you know uh like so david guess, lynch creations happening I think it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be Frankenstein, I guess is what they're trying to yeah. do with there. Yeah, yeah, you know, okay, yeah, it makes sense. Um, <laughs> the, like, the part no, I would have left no. out was the stupid boss fight with Heisenberg at the end, where like yeah. he turns into a giant monster and you have to pilot like a mech suit to do that. Like yeah. Heisenberg just had a really cool gimmick on his own. He didn't need to become a giant, like, like scrap monster. I also <laughs> so put out there that uh, Resident Evil bosses have to stop being um, based on the fact that. There's a misunderstanding, and it's like no one will talk. Like, yeah, literally, <laughs> yeah. Like, like you literally want the same thing. Yeah, what are you fighting? Like, I don't well, understand why a fight to the death is like. Oh, you didn't agree with me that one time I offered it to you. Nah, blowing everything That's what up. I mean. It's it was so weird because it really did seem like they were setting up Heisenberg to be this sort of like unlikely ally in that yeah. moment. And it's like no boss fight. Because he's literally like, I want you to work with me, and I want to take down. Uh, Mother Maria, and, he, and he's like, "Well, I really want to get my kid back." He's like, "No, I have to kill you now." <laughs> we are at odds. <laughs> okay, sure, why not? Yeah, and, I mean, I'm glad. I'm glad at the very least they did kill Ethan at the end because he was just the worst protagonist of all time in Resident spoiler Evil. <laughs> oh, yeah. okay. So, I was, okay, sorry. Yeah, spoilers, but <laughs> come on. <laughs> oh, I mean, not everyone's played. <laughs> and he I might just, be back uh, according to the ending. Who knows? Ugh. Yeah, yeah. Is anyone yeah. ever really dead? Like, how many times did Wesker die? I mean, also, Ethan's. I'm not going to say anything else, but yeah, like, okay, yeah. Nothing in Resident <laughs> Evil makes any sense. It doesn't matter. Like, it could, yeah. he could come back next game. Like, yeah, I was. I'm fine now. I'm. I'm, I'm a tree person now. It's fine. Don't worry about <laughs> it. I mean, it's yeah, an sure. I oh God. That. Yeah. It's no, it's it, it, now. It's based on mold. It's yeah. It's all up. mold. The mold. It's it's super dumb. Like like I, I praise the this game, but it's, it's really stupid. 
No, and, th and that's what I mean. Like, that's kind of why it definitely does work. Because it, it, in so much that Resident Evil 4, like, which is heralded as, like, one of the best in the series. If you go back and replay it, it's super dumb. Like, Oh, yeah, there's, like, a is, little Napoleon dude. Yeah. Like, like, turns into a giant wall monster. Like, it is, there's, they, they escape on a jet ski at the end. <laughs> like, no, it, it's, it's really stupid. It's really, but it, but it leans into it in such a way that it's so charming and it's so like endearing and fun to play, right? Like, yeah. and I think eight, eight really did a lot of that too. Like at the end of the day, like even with all the dumb stuff about it, like it balances it in such a way that it really does have like so much charm behind it. I, I, I think you're selling it more than I was, but I'll accept that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I you think know what? It, it's still kind of schizophrenic on what it wants to be. It's like mm -hmm. I want to be gritty and serious, but also giant tank thing that i just found in the garbage that's cool you're almost a jill sandwich oh <laughs> exactly nice. anyways moving on <laughs> uh, yeah, our, our final game of the year nod then uh from dana hey um mine wasn't my highest score of the year by any means i chose uh gardens uh, english i chose english uh marvel's <laughs> guardians of the galaxy mm -hmm. um that was one of the first games this year that i was really excited to check out i did the preview um my only complaints about it were that it was really slow i i don't have a lot of time to play games as a mom anymore so to walk for an hour wasn't really my idea of a good time but now that i've gone back to it and i've played it a little bit more um the story is awesome um it's it's really i called it more of a cinematic experience uh there's it's like playing a movie when you play mm -hmm. it um some of the acting was really really good uh when i first played it there were a lot of glitches and problems with the game that they've cleaned up since then so it's definitely a game that I would recommend for anyone to check out. I'm not usually a huge fan of like superhero games, if you will, mm -hmm. but uh, this one made it more of an experience rather than just a, hey, I'm Spider-Man, you know? So. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I spent a little bit of time with it myself, and I, I was really impressed with what I played, like, you know, considering like how burned out people were on, on, the, on the coverage of God of D3 and things like that. It turned to be a really... Oh Really interesting and like concise game, yeah. I, was I mean, I think that. also the fact that um, Square Enix kind of came out in a weird way with Avengers. This was a much better experience of what you could do in the Marvel universe than a weird money grabby thing that felt half finished and with weird. Yeah. Like, this feels more like a complete experience. That how Square Enix storytelling could bring its like key factors uh, to the Marvel universe in ways that mm -hmm. the Avengers, the big blockbuster title they put everything into just didn't deliver on yeah absolutely um well i mean different different studio behind it as well so i mean, I mean like people were, I people were, were definitely misguided by that so who, uh the avengers was done by like six different studios including uh, crystal dynamics and uh screen uh, montreal screen all over screen studios and then the um it was Idos. Was it Idos Montreal that did? It, yeah, yeah, it was Idos Montreal. Yeah, uh, which did share staff from uh, from uh, uh, Square Enix Montreal and with um, Crystal Dynamics. So, mm -hmm. who knows? So it's going to be a tough competition when the, when the voting opens up on our website uh, soon. But uh, yeah. please do check out the website and uh, and mm -hmm. cast your votes because it's going to be a tough one. <laughs> it's a dun, dun. 
you know, it was a, it was, it was kind of a weird year thinking about it and like in, in retrospect, thinking of like nominations and whatnot. Because mm-hmm. I feel like I played a lot of remasters and things like that this year. But you know, I mean, there's the there were some solid remasters though. Oh, absolutely! Like like I said, uh, the Mass Effect Legendary Edition is one of the best remasters I've ever played. Mm-hmm. Um, the Fall the Fallen Fantasy Pistol remasters were also really good too, like really faithful remasters. Um, but yeah, like looking at the list of the actual contenders here, it was quite a good year actually like a lot of uh, here. a lot of returning franchises some some new blood in there too so uh yeah definitely uh do check out the website cgmagonline.com in the coming weeks to to help us decide who our game of the year is oh actually uh yeah we got one more uh game of the year nod <laughs> that we missed uh what? jordan what, what was your game of the year nod uh yeah so i did uh, i talked about it a little bit at the start of the podcast but mine was definitely uh chikori a colorful tale uh, by Greg Lobanov and um, Finji and uh, and Shell in the Pit did uh, the music for it, which they did for Wander Song as well. Um, and uh, I've talked about this at length, so I won't go like too too far into it. But yes, it was just like of all the bad stuff that happened uh, this year, um, this was sort of one of those games that like really showed to me like what the gate like what video games can be as uh, as an art form. Um, and the game itself is very centralized, like on art, uh, both sort of like you know the the power it has uh, to sort of affect people's lives, and also like the the emotional toll that it takes on like, sort of like being an artist and living with that sort of like responsibility. Um, the like gameplay itself was uh, super super well done, like very um, very nuanced and and meta in its own little way. Uh, the way that you sort of like paint the world and use like painting things and color to solve problems and, and puzzles uh, was, was really, really well implemented. The, the soundtrack was really great. Um, the characters are all super lovable and uh, it was just a, it was just a really good time. Like it just, it genuinely stayed with me for a while. And, um, and uh, yeah, like, you know, there's, there's, there's few examples I can think of to, you know, remind myself that video games are worth defending as an art mm-hmm. form. And uh, this is definitely one of them. <laughs> nice. Happy to see that something fun and pretty and happy came out of this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, is, is, that po- is that possible? Yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> I tell you, it, uh, I have none of those things. <laughs> there were, there were, there were sub exceptions, uh, definitely. <laughs> it is such a pretty game, though. Like, I love oh yeah, no, it's beautiful, and uh, I mean, like, yeah, just like just the way every, every like different area of the game like changes the sort of like the mm-hmm. color palette you can use. Like it just it really makes the whole world feel uh, feel really alive and 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 sort of bright, but also like it's it's totally customizable. Like you can you if you want to paint the whole world purple, you could do it. Like or you want to paint mm-hmm. the trees, you know, I don't know, like bright blue. Like you make the world you want to see, and uh, and it sort of the the the, the artistry of it does like reflect you as a player it's uh it's really really well thought out like uh it is on every platform as of now yeah it just recently awesome. got uh, uh you know as the the indie showcase that nintendo had they, they brought it to the switch so mm-hmm. yeah it's on everything but i would probably most recommend it on pc um okay. especially especially if you are sort of like artistically inclined and maybe you have like a wacom tablet or you know like a uh, a computer like the you know like the surface book that allows you to sort of draw on the screen while you're playing it um it uh it definitely really makes the experience a lot more fun and, and hmm. even just playing mousy keyboard like has uh, mousy is probably keyboard. a little bit mousy keyboard <laughs> is probably a lot better than trying to control you know a cursor hmm. with with sticks 
Um, maybe the switch might be okay. Cause if they, I don't know if they implemented touch controls, I really can't see that they wouldn't. Um, right. it might be a little bit better, but the switch's whole like touch screen apparatus isn't the best. Okay. So yeah, right. PC is the way to go on that one. And it, it, it could run on any PC. It literally says on steam, you could run like the system requirements is like a toaster. Oh, wow. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> like you could run this on anything. Well, that's, Amazing. that's blatant to false advertising. <laughs> <laughs> Go to Steam. Go to Steam. Stop my words. It literally says it could run on a toaster. I feel that does not say that. I mean, what what if you had the Nin toaster, like the angry video game nerd? Well, this would be easy to debunk. (laughs) This would be easy to debunk. But before I do that, uh, yeah, I think that's that's going to be it for the rest for this week. Should be able to splice in there. Yeah, we did it. Amazing. Uh, On that note, I think that's going to wrap it up for us to for this week, and I guess for 2021. Uh, so if you want to check out our full reviews of most of the games we talked about today you can do so at Uh, cgmagonline.com be sure to follow us on all the socials to search for cgmag and as we mentioned last episode uh, Spotify has started allowing ratings for podcasts if you go on the mobile app not the mobile website version but the mobile app uh, and look up Pixels and Ink you can find our page there and uh, if you've listened to any of our episodes on Spotify you can you can you can leave a review if you can do that for us that would be huge because smaller podcasts like ours rely a lot on word of mouth and my metrics like this so mm-hmm. you know one what like one so five seconds out of your day can have a huge impact on on how many ears we reach and, uh, mm-hmm. and things like that so we would greatly appreciate if you could do that for us uh if you have any other questions or comments please do send them to podcast at cgmagonline.com We've got a new uh, a new email inbox set up there, so you can send comments, feedback, questions you want us to answer on the air, things mm-hmm. like that. We'd love to we'd love to incorporate a mailbag segment into the into the into our show. Um, Brandon, where can people find you? Uh, Beef Fry Twenty Six on pretty much everything. Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. If if it exists, I'm probably there under that name. <laughs> that's that's Even a dangerous. You're probably there. Ooh. That's a dangerous blanket statement when there's things like parlor. <laughs> okay, if it's not OnlyFans, I mean, no, there's probably an OnlyFans. Who knows? Uh, you know, <laughs> if as long okay, as what not, are you telling us? As long as it's not a um, uh, right wing, you know, conspiracy site, that's probably where you can find me. I will yeah. not be on parlor. I will not be on Gab. I will not be on. You guys know a lot more weird things than I do. The weird new Trump one that's based on Macedon that's pure stolen code. Yeah, called called Truth. Oh, God. It's where the truth lies. Oh, (laughs) um, sorry for the 2020 here. Jordan, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, uh, uh, NinjaXJordan. And you can find me on YouTube at NinjaJordanReviews. And Dana? I am at the Dana Eileen. T H E D A Y N A E I L E E N. Woo. Woo. On just about everything but the weird stuff. Uh, the weird and... stuff. <laughs> I'm on more weird stuff. <laughs> All well... the weird stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you, you can find me on Twitter at Hoogathy. That's H O O G A T H Y. This is the segment of the show where we spell the alphabet to you. Uh, As one does. And you can also catch me on Twitch at Guild Two Taps. Uh, that's going to do it for us for this this week and this year. Uh, please join us next week. In the meantime, mm-hmm. please be safe. Wear a mask. Get your boosters. Uh, take this seriously because it's definitely getting worse out there again, unfortunately. Yeah, not great. And 
and we'd like to get back to those normal things we were talking about earlier in the episode. So uh, take care and we'll catch you next year. Peace out.